0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We have so much we've got to talk about. We have, of course, The Real Houses of New Jersey, The Real Houses of Dallas. Also, just today, a trailer was released for Bethany's new show on HBO Max, Bethany formerly of Bethany Ever After, Bethany Getting Married, and The Real Houses of New York. Now, this trailer looked good to me. It's sort of an Apprentice-style show where she's getting people to come work for her, which I think is probably all fake. And here's the thing that uh, I worry about this show, is that I just recently watched on HBO Max six episodes of a show about Mark Wahlberg. Now, I'm not a Mark Wahlberg fan, but somehow I found myself in front of the TV watching every single episode of this Wall show. I think it's called The Wall Street or Wall Street, W-A-H-L. You know, the Wahlberg family's doing a lot of wall work lately. They had that burger show on A&E, Wall Burgers—that's the name of their burger company, which also like sells meat in grocery stores now. And so this show is called The Wall Street, and it was six episodes, you guys. That is just one giant ad for all of his wares. I'm talking about the clothing company. There was his water brand was in it. His production company. The—did uh, I say the clothing brand? Uh, the F45 workout brand. I mean, it's truly overwhelming to the eyes and ears. Nothing happens on the show. You know, there's the pandemic, but there's not really a whole lot of anything. I thought maybe I'd get through the six episodes. i learned something new. I'd see a vulnerable moment. What I did learn is that Mark Wahlberg likes to work a lot, but there was no real dramatic tension. Of course, we had the pandemic, but there's nothing that happens. But by the end of it, I'm like, I just watched one long ass commercial for all of his products. And to be honest, I was ready to buy all of them. So I was fooled. I was fooled, and I'm going to be fooled by this Bethany show, which is probably just going to be one long commercial for Skinny Girl products. Even in the trailer, I saw the K-Cups, I saw the this, I saw the that. She's talking about the shapewear, or whatever. I'm like, I'm going to be buying it all. Uh, talk about mentioning it I'm going to be buying it all, because that's how I get tricked on these shows. And so I don't believe that much will happen, but it will be one giant long commercial, and I'll be watching. I even watched that Frederick show. She had that show with Frederick, it was about the house hunting or whatever. <laughs> Not house hunting, but it was like some real estate thing. Watched every episode. It was terrible, but I watched every episode. The only thing I think with Bethany is she does know enough about reality TV, more so than maybe Mark Wahlberg does. So I think maybe she'll give us a little something extra. It won't just be one long commercial. looks in the trailer. Maybe there's some fighting, some tears. So I don't know. We'll see. TBD. But have I been bamboozled by HBO Max in the past? I sure have and it looks like I'm going to again, although I do think most of the programming on HBO Max is good, and they have the OC, they got uh, the, all the nanny, so I like a lot of the HBO Max stuff, but, you know, I, I, TBD, we'll be checking in, we'll be we'll be staying tuned, we'll go to bravotv.com for more information, that's how we roll here. Uh, what else do we got to talk about? Oh, this Demi Lovato story, so Demi Lovato got in a fight with the Froyo place, I don't know if you guys saw this, look it up so you get all the details correct, but Just to give you a brief overview, she went into a Froyo place to get some yogurt, and she saw some products that she didn't care for, and they were sugar-free products. She thought they were more, like, too diety, you know, the diet culture. She wasn't happy with it. She went on her Instagram account, blasted the small business to all of her followers. She's got a lot of followers. Then the Froyo place responded. They said they have foods for all people, diabetics and everyone. They have sugar-free goods for them. And then even TMZ got in the mix, and they like had posted these private messages between Demi Lovato and the Froyo place. So I'm um, feud season four. What 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 season of feud are we on with the Ryan Murphy show? It's gonna be Froyo versus uh, Demi Lovato. So here's the thing: I saw this story, and I was like, oh, should I talk about it on the show? You know, sometimes I like to start the show off talking about what's going on in pop culture. And Demi had said that it was triggering for her to see these you know she had an eating disorder and she said it's triggering to see all these diet culture uh in front of her all the time and i got that i totally was like yeah i get that you know this diet culture sometimes you go into these stores and you see these buzzwords on everything and it can be overwhelming if you suffered from eating disorder or food issues and i I saw the story and i thought i don't know if i could talk about on the podcast and i've been sort of cagey on the show about my own issues with food and diet and, and all of that stuff. And that's because uh, it's, it feels very personal to me, and it's hard for me to even talk about my own issues with that stuff. And that made me think maybe I need to talk about it. You know, Maybe I need to get this off my chest. I've been so open with you guys about my depression, my anxiety. Maybe some of you are experiencing similar things. So, you know, I, what's interesting to me about this being a trigger... Is that I think those of you who have suffered from an eating disorder, you might be able to relate that after you get through it, or you, I feel like you never really get over those things. Like they're always going to be uh, something you overthink. And I find with food stuff, it becomes an obsession. And even when you go to a restaurant, you turn into a mathematician when you see a plate of food, right? And it's too much in your head. You see that plate of food, and the first thing you think, is that food too big for the plate? Is that too much food for me? And so you kind of analyze that in your head. And then once you get past that, you start to analyze the calorie count, the fat grams. So you start to say, "Uh, how many calories isn't in that? How many calories did I have earlier? How many calories am I going to have later? How many calories did I burn off on that workout earlier? So you start to do all of that math in your head. Then you get past the calories, you start to obsess about the sugar. You say, well, how much sugar is in that? I don't know if I can eat that processed stuff. And you go down the list of carbohydrates, sugar, protein, all of that stuff, and it becomes an obsession, and you uh, use so much brain power. I always say, if I wasn't thinking about all that food stuff, I wonder what my brain could do. You know, I imagine all of the things I'd get done in a day if I didn't think about any of the food stuff— And I'm past so much of it, but it's still, when I see a plate of food, I run through that checklist pretty quickly. Now, in the heart of my issues, I'd say I'd really obsess over it, and it was just an unhealthy obsession. I'm past that, so gratefully, thankfully. Uh, But my point is, people who have gone through something like that. It is something that I don't think you fully get over. And because food is fuel, and we see it all day long, and we need it to nourish our bodies— I think everything can be a trigger. So you really have to work on yourself so that everything isn't a trigger. Because that simple plate of food, I could look at a salad and that could be a trigger. So I understand what she's, where she's coming from and she, I think, had good intentions of like, let's not get this, uh, this is a bad message to send out, whatever the message was she saw on this product, on this specific product in this froyo place. But I do think that you can't just name one thing as a trigger, because with food stuff, I think so much is a trigger. And again, I can look at a plate of hummus, a a salad, and that could be a trigger for me. It isn't, because I'm working on things, and I've gotten to a good place with all of that stuff. But uh, if, if it's raw, or if you're still in the heart of it, I think it could be a trigger. So I just wanted to... I share that. I thought maybe somebody else is out there uh, obsessing over a plate of food. Just to know that you're not alone. That's a lot of us. You know, I think it's a it's something that a lot of us uh, deal with and everyone deals with it in different ways. Everyone has different levels of things. But also I think with eating disorders, there are so many different types of it. I think people think of anorexia and bulimia, but I think there's a lot of other levels and layers and different things Uh, people go through when it comes to food and diet and body image and all of that stuff. So, you know, I think Demi was uh, doing what she thought was the right thing. But unfortunately, it was uh, maybe the wrong way to go about it. I don't know. That's what I, uh, that's where I stand. (laughs) Am I being a downer right now? I feel like I'm being a little bit of a downer. (laughs) I'm going to try not to be a Danny Downer for the rest of the episode, because we're going to talk About the Real Housewives of New Jersey.
1: I mean, come on. Now that you let the cat out of the bag, just admit it. You're getting the pussy fed.
0: (laughs) That line really grossed me out, but I had to play it for you guys. Because I honestly couldn't believe my ears when Margaret said that in the confessional. And she's talking about Teresa got the new boyfriend. She finally opened up about it. Now, this whole episode this week was centered around this yacht trip that Margaret took with her ghostwriter's yacht, which, by the way, I'm a ghostwriter too, and I don't, know, I'm, don't believe that a ghostwriter's salary can get you a yacht, but apparently this woman's got a yacht. So I don't know how she got it. Maybe it doesn't make sense to me. But uh, Margaret says, it's customary to read a chapter on a yacht to your friends. And I'm thinking, that's not really customary, but I do respect Margaret's ability to get this book on the show. Because when these people do these books on reality TV shows, it's not guaranteed that they're going to talk about it on the show. You know, I did the Fancy F Cocktails with the Vanderpump Rules kids, and that wasn't on the show at all. There was not one scene of them working on it, nothing. So, you know, Margaret really used her business mind and got this on the show. And I think uh, oftentimes I think with these people, what they need to do is have an event and have a lot of drama at the event. So if I was on this show, I would throw a big event for whatever I was launching, whether it be a clothing line, whatever. And I would make sure that someone got in a big ass fight so they couldn't cut it from the show. That's one thing I've learned: just getting a big crazy fight doesn't matter if it's real or not. Just make sure that that happens at your event so that you get the free promo. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, but it made me laugh. It's like, yeah, it's customary to read a chapter on a yacht to your friends. That's about your abuse. Like that was like a, the silly reasoning of like why we all had to go on the yacht. But I respected it. So we also have this Dolores and Frank Jr. They're talking about Dolores' biopsy. She says uh, you need to get checked. She tells him about she had this uh, procedure done. And I just want to remind everyone to get your colonoscopy. I've told you that before. Get your colonoscopy. Uh, colonoscopy. They recommend at 45. But if you have if a family history, you got to do it sooner. So check with your doctor. Check with your family. Figure it all out. But Dolores says, you know, I don't like telling my family these things. She basically says, I don't like telling my family. I'm Italian. We don't do that. We don't do that. You know, Dolores is famous for saying, I'm old school. We don't do that. Teresa's old school Italian. She wouldn't do it either. She didn't say that, but you know you know, she wanted to say it. They probably cut her saying that. <laughs> then uh, we have this scene with Teresa and the girls, and she's talking about her new boyfriend. Joe has a new girlfriend, and honestly, this whole scene, I was just thinking, I'd watch Teresa's kids in a spinoff. I like seeing those girls, you guys. I love those scenes. I'm living my truth. I love seeing the Giudice girls. I wouldn't mind if they got a spin-off. I'm not even sure what it would be about. But I noticed myself really enjoying when we're seeing Gia, Melania, all of these young girls in the Gidiche family. So I don't know, Bravo. Maybe we could spitball some ideas. I don't know, figure something out. I don't know, I'd watch it. Because I do find myself liking those scenes the most. When I see Gia on screen, I, she's magnetic. I don't know. That's what I like. Uh, also, speaking of uh, scenes, I like all the Jennifer stuff, you guys. She Jennifer talked to her daughter about the arranged marriage that her parents had, and I, the Jennifer stuff is really hitting me hard. I find this whole family's dynamic that she's got with the parents, and as she was explaining arranged marriage to her daughter, and there was did you see there were stuffed animals everywhere behind her, the daughter. Uh, I was like that as a kid. I was obsessed with my stuffed animals. I just had them everywhere. Treated them like they were people. <laughs> I had a Fozzie Bear Muppet stuffed animal that honestly was more important to me than any human in my life. I mean, I still think about him. Uh, but the, she had them all around her bed. And uh, Jennifer explained about the arranged marriage. And I just thought it was interesting, beautiful. And I, I think it's a culture that I'm not very familiar with, her Turkish culture. I find it very fascinating, and I, I love it. Then, uh, let's see, we have the yacht scene. Again, what ghostwriter has a yacht? I don't know. I need to know more about this woman. Um, Teresa finally opens up about her man. And uh, that's when we get the, the pussy-fed thing. And I, I want Teresa to be happy with the man. You know, I just want her to get some good sex, whatever it is. Just want her to be happy. She's been through a lot. I don't know. I know some people write me and they say, you know, she's, uh, they don't like Teresa. People either love Teresa or they hate her. And I kind of just want the best for her. I don't know, at this point. I just feel like she's been through a lot. Um, but they get into this Margaret uh, and the boss situation. Jennifer says she was initially wrong about Margaret's story about the boss. And I think it's very brave of Margaret to talk about this. And I think it's good and helpful for people. And I think it is part of the culture, especially when this happened to Margaret in her life. So I applaud her for bringing it up because... I can't imagine it's very easy to talk about this sexual harassment situation. I mean, especially after you're so far removed from it, it's been so many years, I can't imagine you'd want to bring those issues up again. But she's helping a lot of people and making them not feel so alone. And then Margaret, she kind of loses me because she brought up the uh, Instagram live again that Jennifer did about looking for the nanny or whatever. And I just don't really care enough. I mean, I understand. I do think it was a little faux pas for Jennifer to go on her Instagram Live in the midst of a global pandemic. But I just feel like there's worse things that have happened. I don't know that we need to bring it up two or three episodes in a row. Like, enough, we brought it up. Enough is enough. Let's move on. I don't care about her Instagram Live. It's not happening on the show. It's good for one episode. Bring it up one time. And Jennifer didn't even really respond. Nobody else took the bait. So let's just move on. Um, Then... Let's see. Oh, Melissa wasn't feeling well, so she didn't go to this yacht event. But then the next scene we saw her fresh as a daisy, sitting with Jackie. I wrote in my notes, I didn't care about this scene. I don't even know what they talked about, you guys. Zoned out. Sorry. Sorry, you guys. I do my best. I know I'm here to take notes and recap. But you know, sometimes I, Danny zones out a little bit. I don't even know what I was doing. I was on Instagram or something. That's all. You know, it was a Margaret, uh, Melissa, Jackie scene. I just didn't think we were going to get much out of it. Is that cynical of me? They looked beautiful, though. They looked stunning. But I did uh, completely ignore the scene. Completely zoned out. I don't even know if I was on Instagram. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I might have just been staring off into the distance, not directed at the TV. You know, my eyes were directed anywhere but the TV at that moment. It is what it is. I'm sure who amongst us hasn't done that. I'm sure many of you out there listening have uh, your eyes glazed over when you're seeing a Melissa Jackie scene. I'm sorry. I know some of you feel the same way. Again, both beautiful gals, and they're great in the group scenes. But, you know, I I, I don't even know what they talked about. Then we had a scene with Margaret and Margaret Sr. Uh, Margaret's got the iced coffee and the wine glass, which that's all I was focused on. And they were talking about the book. And this whole episode was very heavy book promo. I mean, honestly, you have to hand it to Margaret, because... This doesn't happen all the time. she got basically a full episode of book promo. The week that it's released, her book is just released this week. I mean, she lined it up perfectly. I don't know. Producers must have told her when this episode was airing or something. Because it was lined up too perfectly. I don't know. Maybe did she have a deal with producers that she was going to do the book promo? I'm not sure. But it lined up perfectly. And it was very heavy book promo for her new book. Which is great. Good for her. She did a good job. Uh, you know, Good good then we had a scene with melissa and antonia again eyes glazed over i know they were shopping or trying on clothes or something at envy they were at envy something happened at envy i don't know you guys can let me know what happened in that scene because i don't know i don't fucking know can't pay attention to everything you guys a lot of content doing two show i got two podcast episodes a week and i'm doing two shows on each podcast you guys i'm tired Danny, I can only handle so much, you know, my notes. I'm printing out notes every week on uh, 100 pieces of paper my printer. My printer's tired. So, you know, I'm trying to conserve ink, save the environment. And so I can't uh, write notes for every scene. So when I see Melissa on screen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm saving ink for the environment. I'm doing it for the environment, for the people. Got to save our planet. Climate change is real. <laughs> Anyway, um, what else are we talking about? Oh, Jennifer and the mom cooking this Turkish food. I like seeing all these different foods. Really, I I talked about this on my Instagram, but if you guys watch the Stanley Tucci show on CNN, Searching for Italy, you got to watch it. Got to watch it. No choice. No choice but to Stanley Tucci. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So then, oh, all the moms come over to Jennifer's house, which I like seeing Dolores with her mom especially, because did you catch this? Dolores' mom thought Jennifer's home was a mall. She thought it was a mall. Dolores is like, she thinks it's a mall. And then they were talking about sex. (laughs) Dolores said, uh, Dolores says she used to talk to her mom about sex all the time. She'd be like, Mom, I was banging this guy all night. And it was just making me laugh. I could just picture like a young Dolores being like, Yeah, I was banging Frank all night. You know? (laughs) Oh, I love that. I like Dolores. She makes me laugh. Makes me laugh. And then uh, all the moms are sitting there, and Teresa gets really sad. She's having flashbacks of her mom, and I'm crying at this point because you know I haven't seen my mom in a really long time and I'm going to see her very soon. I'm gonna be seeing her very soon and it was just making me think of Linda. You know, I miss my Linda. Melinda's a queen icon legend, my mother. And some of you reach out and you say, why do you reference her as Linda? And I in real life I call her mother. I just want you guys to know them. I call her Ma. My Ma. But on this podcast I call her Linda. Uh so you guys know who I'm talking about. Anyway, Teresa's having all this flashbacks and then she cries and uh, Dolores. The episode ends. Dolores has to explain why Teresa left. You know, because Dolores always got to talk for Teresa. She's like, "This was hard for her." That's that's literally what the episode ends on. It's like, "This was hard for Teresa." L- Dolores saying it, and that's how the episode ends. We'll see next week, you guys. I thought it was beautiful. I like seeing the moms. I like seeing the moms. Uh, so that's the real houses in New Jersey. Let's dip briefly into Dallas. Whoo, you guys! Dallas was doing a lot of work. They were doing a lot of editing work, a lot of tricks, a lot of producing stuff. They were trying to get us into this season. and we I've said last week i that it was a real low point. Now, this week, I appreciated that the Bravo people, they really picked it up, and they did some interesting things. They did a new promo that was like the show Dallas. Now, I'm not sure that they're really going to get a lot of young people watching this show with the, some Dallas references. I appreciate it because my parents used to watch Dallas. Although I don't really remember much about it, they did just have the recent Dallas reboot too, uh, so I'm sure some people are familiar. But I don't know that it's like super in the zeitgeist, uh, you know, to really drive new new young viewers to this program, which is who they want to watch these shows. Uh, but they did it anyway. It was a new intro. It was really cute. I, you know, honestly, Dallas is history, so they can't really show any Dallas clips, which is annoying. Um, But at least they're doing a lot of references to the show, I guess. I sort of wish they had uh, the footage that they could play. I would have loved to see who shot Jr. and all that stuff. I at least am vaguely familiar about it, so I would have liked a little history lesson. But unfortunately, they couldn't play the music, couldn't show the scenes. There was like a couple photos that you saw in the background of these scenes that was just like the cast members of Dallas on a red carpet because those are public images they're allowed to use. But uh, otherwise, they didn't show us any scenes, Nothing. But they did do a lot of work. They did this 80s theme, this whole episode. We got to see all the ladies in 80s clothing, which was fine. And the real heart of this episode... Well, there was a couple things. First, we've got to talk about McGruff. Let's talk about McGruff. So they did a murder mystery party at the end of the episode, which I know we're all tired of murder mystery parties. Let's retire them with the axe throwing. Let's retire them with the goat yoga. Let's retire them with the escape rooms. Let's retire them with that breaking room where they break shit. I mean, this is what we're doing, is these... uh, which, by the way, like, who really thought that we would get so many murder mystery parties? Has any of them been good? Have we gotten one that has been interesting? I can't remember one. We did it on Atlanta this season. It was kind of boring. Before the Bolo stuff, remember we were all excited to get to the Bolo of it all, and it was like we had to sit through a murder mystery thing first. They did it on um, other ones too. I can't even think right now. Oh, New York was the first one they did it on, and that was not great. You know, they did it I think in the Berkshires or something. It was fine. But I can't think of one murder mystery party on this network that I've been like, oh, that was a classic episode. You know, at least with a psychic. You always get some good stuff with a psychic. Every time they got a psychic, you know, it's memorable. Salt Lake City did in their inaugural season. It was great. Uh, Beverly Hills Housewives, Alison DuBois, know that. You know, we've had some iconic psychics. So at least I understand throwing a psychic onto Dallas. You know, Darren the Shaman, that's interesting to me. But a murder mystery party, I'm not sure we've gotten a really good one. That said, This woman who was McGruff, what was her, I don't remember her first name. She was an actress, and she had a very interesting accent going on. I don't know what the exact accent she was trying to do was. It sounded a little bit to me like Renee Zellweger in Cold Mountain. You know, I don't know if you've seen this, but I mean, truly shocking. If you ever want a good laugh, really anyone in the movie Cold Mountain, they're all doing wild accents. Nicole Kidman, Jude Law, uh, Renee Zellweger. I'm not sure who the accent coach was on set, but wow. Wow, accent coach, wow. They were doing some real heavy stuff on that cold mountain, and they were all in a different accent. Different place. I don't know what was going on. Did no one hear them? I often think when I watch that movie, did no one hear, did no one listen to any of this? It's like they viewed the movie, but then no one listened, and then it was nominated for all these awards. I'm like, how? How? Anyway, this McGruff was doing similar accent work, where it was just all over the place. She was really in her character. And I need her to get her own TV show. A sitcom on CBS or something, because she has some interesting stuff happening that I want to watch. Now, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's good acting, but I am saying it's interesting stuff that I want to watch, which is half the battle on TV. You know, there's all these networks now. There's streaming services all over the place. So at this point, you just need people that you want to watch. And so this McGruff, you know, God bless her. Also, Darren, Darren the Shaman, he had some trail mix and he was. Blowing snot into DeAndra's nose again, which I don't know what the fuck that is. What the fuck? I don't know what the fuck that is. That shaman Darren, also the hairdresser, slash hairdresser. Uh, he's blowing shit into DeAndra's nose. I'm not sure I need to see that twice in one season, by the way. Also, I just want to point out I saw some people saying this online, but Jennifer, you know, the redhead who's been cut out of this whole season. She was announced when there was a press release for The Real Housewives of Dallas before the season started, she was announced as an official friend of, I know nothing about this woman. And I know way too much about Darren, the hairdresser slash shaman, who was wearing a very interesting hat in this scene with the trail mix and blowing shit into DeAndre's nose. Real interesting hat stuff going on. Uh, But I know more about him than Jennifer Long or really anyone. This man has been on the show more than Stephanie this season. I feel like I know more about Darren than Stephanie Holman, who's the main cast member on this show. She's not working for that paycheck, and I'm going to talk about that. I have a guest coming up on the podcast that, so, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But Darren, uh, you know, blowing shit into the nose, and that's every episode at this point. Um, also, speaking of Deandra, Mama D is there's all this stuff going on with Deandra and her family life, which is very fascinating to me. I think it's good stuff. But Mama D in her confessional, she was throwing all the shade about uh, the the new wife's nose. You guys, it was all very. Dallas-y to me, but I just have to point out that Mama D's confessionals are fantastic. She's mean and funny, and she says crazy things. And I wish that she was just a main cast member on the show. I know they're reticent to have her as a main cast member; they just want her to float in and out. And I know that she's older than almost every than every cast member on these shows. I don't think there's a single housewife around that's uh, older than Mama D. You know, she's eighty years old. But I still would love to see her in the opening credits as a main cast member. She gives me more than anyone else on this show. So let's get her uh, on the main cast. Anyway, you guys, that's the episode. I, I don't know if I have much more to say about Dallas, really. Um, But I do want to share that I have a guest coming up. We're going to talk a little bit more about Dallas, a little more about Jersey. Evan Ross Katz, he hosts a podcast called Shut Up, Evan. And it's a great podcast. When he has a guest on that I like, it's like no one's better. He's so good at interviewing these celebrities he has on his show. So I want you all to check it out. Also, uh, Evan was on Watch What Happens Live with me. He's a Bravo junkie. So we talk a few hot topics and then some housewives. So I want to play this chat. Before I do, I just want to say thank you all uh, for the support and if you want to sign up for the everything iconic patreon just go to patreon.com/everythingiconic and if you donate $4 more per month you get access to the bonus episodes i do one a month and i'm recapping sex in the city also if you want uh, everything iconic merch just go to everythingiconic.store we have up to 5xl on the shirts right now so check that out uh, and i will leave you guys with this chat with Evan Ross. All right, guys, I'm here with Evan Ross-Katz, of course, uh, from the Shut Up Evan podcast. Evan, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I Thank you for saying, of course, the Shut Up Evan podcast. Yeah. That's, so, that's so lovely.
0: Well, you know, I love your podcast. I mean, we text and I wanted to have you on just for like a short little visit to uh, talk about your show because I really think uh, you've done some of my favorite interviews within the past, I don't know, year or so. How long have you been doing your show?
1: It began in January 2020, so, like, right before the world shut down. Right. So we, like, had in-person interviews for the first, I think, like, 10 episodes, and then it became uh, what we have now. And
0: I like it, because you're a pop culture junkie, and we're going to run through some current hot topics, because I know you got some hot takes. But uh, I love that you're a, a historian, and when I listen to your show, you ask questions about... Uh, some, some of the celebrity projects and stuff that I'm interested in. You had Tara Reid on your show, and by the end of it, I was like, give Tara an Oscar. I was like, mm. she deserves an Oscar. And I-, I love that amount of reverence that you pay to someone like Tara Reid, because that's the kind of love that I have for these people.
1: Totally. And like you and I are so aligned on so many of the, of these people, these women in particular. But I think in the case of Tara, it was like, I think that she has been the butt of the joke for much of her career um, by Some partially by her own doing in some instances and other times just by a cruel media cycle that has long existed. And so I wanted to sort of, as you mentioned, like give her her flowers, run through a filmography that is actually like quite prolific and like just kind of put some respect on her name. So sometimes it's a guest like that. Other times it's just someone that I'm like curious to dig deep into. But then you get some guests, too, where it's like, oh, you have this random film that you did you know, early on in your career that gay people or maybe just I or like, or, you know, a niche uh, market really takes to that you're not often speaking about. Right. That to me is like my favorite kind of moment with this celeb.
0: I mean, speaking of Tara Reid, yeah, it's like there's certain moments where she's never in an interview talking about cruel intentions or even Josie and the Pussycats or something like that. And, uh, you know, gay people in particular, we really love those roles. And that's the kind of stuff we want to hear about. Also, Anna Faris, who you just had on your show, and I thought it was a great interview. And she's someone that has been sort of tied up in the CBS universe, which is fine. I know a lot of people love those shows, like Mom and Two and a Half Men or whatever those are. Uh, My parents, in particular, they like, for years, were talking about Mike and Molly. Like, they still watch it. And I'm always like, enough with the Mike and Molly. Like, I don't need to hear about you. Love it. I get it. You like Mike and Molly. But like, just leave me alone about it. Like, I've tried it. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like, enough but she's someone who I miss from mainstream film and I'm hopeful. I know she left mom and uh, I hope that we can get back to having her on screen again. Cause in your conversation with her, you are talking about house bunny and scary movie. And I know you spent a lot of time on the scary movie franchise. And I think her and Regina are so brilliant in those movies. And even though the writings maybe not as great as uh, something more highly acclaimed, They're so good in it. And they elevate that material so much. And I want more for Anna
1: completely and I think you know you're speaking about like the sort of like the cbs world of it all and that's interesting to me because one of the things that she talks about is the reason that she didn't continue on with scary movie five was money her words and I know that part of being in the cbs conglomerate if you will is cha-ching cha-ching I mean when you're doing a chuck Lorre multi-camera that's sort of like built into the dna of it all and so I am hopeful that sort of now that she amassed put in that time and made that money not to say that like money was her only goal there. But now that she made that, I would be curious to see if she might maybe take on some more indie features like she has this wonderful film smiley face so which some good. people might know about. So good, yeah. And I'm hoping that that can come sort of like as a result of putting in the grind of a CBS sitcom. Again, not to say she didn't like it while she was on it, yeah. but it's like, it's a specific skill set and I imagine that when you're as muscular as someone like Anna Ferris creatively that you want to flex other aspects of your muscle.
0: And by the way, I would do one of those Chuck Lorre shows in a second. I mean, yeah, I get that. Hell Make your, make, make your coin and get out of there.
1: But isn't it funny that it's like you look at those CBS shows and not even just the sitcoms, like NCIS, for instance, which I, I've never, you know, I don't, I know nothing about it. That's like the number one or number two show on television. It's a constant reminder of like the paradigms that exist, which is that like we love Housewives. To us, it's the most important thing in the world. It gets at max, and this was like Atlanta in its heyday, four million viewers maybe, and like these NCIS shows are 20, 25 million viewers. And so it's just a reminder that like, you know, people like you and I, it's like, maybe we're like, Mike and Molly, who's watching Mike and Molly? It's like the majority of the population is (laughs) watching the Mike and Molly wondering who's watching Housewives. So it's just a funny thing. There's a
0: comfort food aspect to all of those shows, too. I mean, from the NCIS Law and Orders to all the CBS sitcoms, I think people go to those in the same way that I go to Bravo or you might go to Bravo. Totally. Uh, And it's, yeah, it's interesting. The ratings on Bravo, too, I look at them sometimes. But we're so isolated in terms of social media that I think – we follow people who have the same interests as us so then we right. tend to think our the world view is is as isolated right. as we have
1: And it. also I think I think that the Bravo shows have a life sort of like my boyfriend for instance, he doesn't watch anything except for Potomac. Um, but he knows all the memes, right? So like, he knows these women more often than not as memes. And so there's sort of like a nomenclature that exists culturally around Housewives, independent of actual viewership. And that's something that like I don't know about you but I'm not seeing NCIS memes on, you know, Al Gore's <laughs> internet. Maybe it exists, but like I think that it's like Housewives has a ubiquity to it that extends beyond just television show right
0: i want to get your take on some housewives i was i know you're a view fan too we talk about the view quite a Huge. bit and i love it so i wanted to go through some hot topics we'll start with some Housewives stuff you're watching new jersey what are you thinking of new jersey right now
1: i'm kind of lukewarm about it but i understand that what i'm hearing on the ground is that people are really enjoying it There's sort of like a Uh, It feels safe right now. It's like it's reliable. We've got a good cast of women. Everything is sort of vibing. For me personally, I need a little bit more chaos. Um, There's just something about it's not really moving fast enough for me and there's not enough really percolating. Um, I love the women. Shout out to Dolores. I think Dolores is like probably my favorite on the cast right now. Um, but I just feel like when the six of them are all together under one roof, it doesn't feel as explosive as like a season seven. Um, and I understand there's like, modulations to it all, but for me it just feels a little too steady and I want it to go off course a bit. Yeah,
0: I need one or two new people. I think with the Jersey cast, what's interesting is they have the husband's film and so the husbands are such a large part of it that I feel like our group of women is smaller because we have all of the husbands and I prefer to maybe step away a little bit from the husbands and have more women in the mix uh, because I feel like we just have those six and some of the other franchises we have those side characters that come around a bit and i just i'm missing danielle a little bit i'm not necessarily missing exactly danielle i'm just missing like the the added chaos element like you mentioned
1: Completely. You know, there was an instance in this past week's episode, I think it was last week's, when Jackie was doing her Rosh Hashanah dinner. And that to me was like a prime example of like, bring Dolores over. Like, use the fact that you sort of have this aspect of you that you do not share in common with the other women and introduce it to one of them. That to me is like Housewives 101. But too often than not, I feel like these conversations on New Jersey specifically are siloed to sort of like the specific family. And it's like, I want to see Dolores Breaking, no, I was gonna say breaking bread, but I don't know. Is there bread at Russia's now? I'm Jewish, I don't even know. But I'm just saying, I want to see them take on this other culture that exists within their friend group and sort of experiment with it. And I feel like that was an example of sort of a missed opportunity. And I think Jersey has a lot of missed opportunities
0: this season. Right. Uh, what about Dallas? Dallas hmm. is flopping hard, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, love Tiffany Moon. I, the consensus sure. seems to be like we all just wish that like they could rebuild this show around Tiffany Moon because um, at least they have her. Um, but yeah, I feel like particularly with Carrie and with Brandy, there aren't a lot of redeeming qualities. And I think that even like when there's housewives who necessarily aren't like the nicest of people, like okay, like say Vicky for instance to cross over to OC real quick. But it's like Vicky's a good mother. Vicky. Loves her kids um, and like so there are aspects of Vicky even though I'm not like aligned with her in many ways where I can like look at Vicky and see the humanity that exists. I just think with the Dallas women too often we just are seeing like just unbecoming quality after unbecoming quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just it's unfortunate that I feel like Tiffany is surrounded by that. And it's like I understand Deandra's an ally to Tiffany, but I just think Tiffany deserves better. So I'm hoping
0: for a restructure, because
1: I don't think the franchise is dead, but then you I see I sort like, of Salt see like City. it could be dead.
0: I mean, it, at a certain point, it's like with Dallas, I need them to step it up or, or fix it, or at least try to make a big move. I suppose yeah. maybe they thought like getting rid of Leanne was a big move. And it, It was, but it just, I don't know. And it feels like we have so much dead weight on Dallas. And I was someone who loved Stephanie. She's great. But even I'm watching this season, I'm like, she had the locker thing. But otherwise, she doesn't get involved in the mix of the group at all. At all. Right. But then we're also not really having anything. I mean, I think it's been like three weeks since we've had an individual Stephanie scene. So I'm like, what are we doing with her? This woman's in the main cast. Shouldn't she just be a friend of at this point? Or... It's like weird that she's even there. They're not using her. It doesn't feel like she's earning that paycheck at all.
1: Right, and then also like I don't know how I feel about getting rid of Leanne because part of me feels like getting rid of her was a mistake, um, and I also just feel like getting rid of like she really was the matriarch of that show in the sense of like she had the biggest sort of like people when they thought of Dallas. I know even for me still today, when you thought of Dallas, you think of Leanne Locken. She sort of put the franchise; she was at the center of the franchise for a lot of people, and so getting rid of her, it's like I don't really know who is like center. What are they holding? They're holding the star. Um,
0: a lone Star Starred. or isn't that? Yeah.
1: See, and that tells you a lot for me. It's like <laughs> the lack of specificity there. But it's like just uh, not having someone that I really feel like is the breakout star of the show Now you could argue it's like well in Potomac you have multiple breakout stars because you you have these co leads in Giselle and Karen it's like give me that Mm -hmm. I love that Mm -hmm. or give me like one person who really is like the centerpiece of the show like a Bethany on the early seasons of Roni I just don't really know who like my emotional center is on Dallas and so by default I go to Tiffany but I also feel like Tiffany's new here Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I'm acclimating to her and so I just don't really have someone to really like anchor the series right now and I think as a result it sort of just feels out to see
0: yeah and none of um, they don't come to play as much as some of the other they franchises. Don't. I'm like, you're in a group scene. Somebody do something. Like, just give me anything. Yeah.
1: And also, like, besides Mama D, I feel like that series has the least sort of, like, amount of ancillary characters who I'm interested in. And the husbands you know, I think don't
0: even lot... film anymore mm. because it's like the husbands, I think they receive so much flack. Like, Brandy and her husband received so much flack in the past. And so we, we're we not even getting husbands. I think we're getting some, a little bit of deAndre's husband, but... Right. Yeah, we don't have any yeah. side characters. Or...
1: Right, and it's like, in the case of those husband, husbands, it's like, not seeing them, I think, is for the best. But at the same time, it's like, I need some sort of characters. It's like, I love Mama D, but it's like, I either need more Mama D, or I need 10 Mama Ds. But yeah, right now, it just doesn't feel like, it's just coming up short.
0: Right. Uh, moving outside of the Bravo universe, what do you make of the gay bachelor stuff, Colton? He's got a new TV show on Netflix. Let me just explain this for people, catch everyone up. Um, he came out to Robin Roberts, and then it was announced he has a new Netflix series where he has a gay guide uh, in Gus Kenworthy. Although I'm also hearing uh, kind of BTS that there's other people involved, other famous mm. gay men involved. But for some reason, it was just Gus that was kind of announced.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is super, super complex, but I feel like the overall, like the orchestration of it all, um, the sort of like the grandeur of like going on GMA to make this proclamation, I felt like it was a little bit too much of a business move. I want to see how he's going to use his platform moving ahead. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to sort of like redirect attention towards the, the parts of the LGBTQ plus community who are underserved, whose stories are not out there. And he can really be a great avatar for that. I think it remains to be seen what will come from this coming out. But there's just something about me... That seeing a cis white gay guy coming out of the closet on national television in 2021 that doesn't hit the same. Yeah, and it feels a little retrograde.
0: And and there was too much uh, connection, or too much, too little time between that Netflix TV announcement and the coming out of it all. That it just feels like a monetary grab. That I think a lot of us were like feeling cynical about it because it seems like a money grab.
1: But wasn't it funny how like. I felt like, because I woke up at 9 a.m. and I saw that the announce, that he had just come out and the announcement on the internet seemed to be, because I will say, I feel like a lot of gay people were not familiar with Colton Underwood because my, my feeling is, and correct me if you feel differently, Bachelor Universe is a little bit more heterosexual than Housewives Universe. 100%, yeah. And so the sentiment seems to be online around 9 a.m. Oh my God, welcome to the tribe. And then like throughout the day, we got into like noon, 1 p.m. And it's like more stuff sort of of started to come out. He's following Candace Owens on Instagram, for instance. And it's like, I felt like by nightfall, it was very much like the news cycle of today, which is like, we love you in the morning. We hate you by night. And and that's sort of where it was.
0: We were learning about him because we're not familiar. You know, I dipped into the Bachelor universe, but I didn't know all of the backstory with his season and this woman, Cassie, who he's with. So yeah, I think there was uh, a lot, a lot to learn. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus Fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern Evan, this was so fun. I love chatting with you. Uh, Briefly, before I let you go, I want to ask you what I ask all of my guests, which is your favorite Mariah Carey song. And if you were choosing People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose?
1: Okay, favorite Mariah Carey song, the one that comes to mind immediately when you say that is Through the Rain. Because I just think vocally, I, like, I love the way it builds, and particularly the middle section, how she's sort of going back and forth between the head voice and the chest voice. I feel like it just is such a great showcase of Mariah. And also, I just remember the making of the video for that like so distinctly. With Meadow uh, Soprano. Back, the video.
0: Okay.
1: Yes, oh my god, yes. Uh, okay, wait. and my People magazine, Sexiest Man Alive, is that like of today or
0: ever? Ever, or either, whatever you feel.
1: Okay, my sexy the one that comes to mind is David Boreanaz in his heyday, because that just, I think, is like tied to my youth. Today, the sexiest man alive. Who's really doing it?
0: Wasn't there me? just a sex tape of his released or something? Am I making that up? A,
1: no, you're not. There was a masturbation video that was circulating. However, like with deep fakes as they exist today, I just never really right,
0: know. Right, right. Yeah, like, you just, you can't know. I, I saw a Tom Cruise video that wasn't Tom Cruise. It was somebody's face on Tom Cruise.
1: Right, so, Yeah. Um, I sounded like, like my little... my
0: grandma or something, just that, or my mother. <laughs> I saw a video of Tom Cruise. Anyway.
1: Um, this is probably like a boring answer, but it is the truth. I just have the deep fascination with Jamie Dornan. Um, That's a great answer. Well, yeah, but it's just like, he's like textbook good looking, but I feel like that comedic turn in Barb and Star made him a little bit more like, complex in my head because it's like he's sexy and funny which in her turn makes him sexier but yeah I just think he's got the goods yeah
0: he does his nudes are out there too Evan uh, tell people where they can find your show <laughs>
1: Google it. Um, You can find my show on anywhere the podcasts are available. Shut up, Evan. And I just want to shout out the fact that uh, I'm such a huge fan of this podcast, but I really, really love, love, love your interview with Andy. I feel like of all the interviews I've ever listened to or read of Andy, there was no one that got more out of him than your interview. Uh And so I just want to shout back the fact that I think you are such a top-tier interviewer.
0: Thank you. And I -er. feel the same way about you. And, you know, Andy gets a lot of hate, but I've always had such a good experience with him and found him so supportive and kind and and outside of like, you know, on camera kind of stuff. I, I think he's right. really great, anyway.
1: Yeah, I think he's in a position where it's like, he's sort of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, just because he is connected to so many worlds that so many people have so much like wrapped up in. So yeah, I think we're aligned and like good people. And
0: I know he's kind of become the face of Housewives, but. Sometimes I feel like he he bears the brunt of, like, all of it. All of the decisions and all of the... Yes. Every individual cast member's stuff. And that must be very frustrating.
1: I also just feel like having to sort of modulate between, like, boss and then, like, reunion host. And, like, no doubt he's getting text messages from them about, you know, my daughter's not appearing on this thing so just having to like modulate between all those different job titles that some of which he actually has and some of which I think he just takes on you know because of the need for it I think is kind of like remarkable like how he kind of has to be this diplomat within the housewives universe Um, I don't think many people could do that as, as deftly as he does
0: and also the amount of energy it takes to sit with any of these women let alone seven or eight of these women sometimes for a full day would be exhausting Evan tell me who you have coming up on your show I meant to ask you that
1: oh yeah so uh, next up we have Law Roach Uh, we'll have him the Tuesday this coming Tuesday right after the Oscars he'll be dressing Zendaya Uh, he's Zendaya's stylist and he does Ariana Grande and Celine Dion etc and then we have Sonny Hostin, the great Sonny Hostin. and then we'll be wrapping up season 2 with Zachary Quinto
0: ah I love that. Evan, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, I hope everyone checks out Shut Up Evan. I want to remind everyone to find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, If you want any of our Everything Iconic merch, go to everythingiconic.store. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you. What a pleasure.